All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tubes Podcast. It is Friday, March 22nd, 2019, and I will tell you that uh, I had a completely different agenda for this episode of the podcast. You talk about the NCAA tournament, the SEC goes 4-0 on Thursday. You had Auburn's crazy, wild game. Uh, However, it now appears that there are other things that, that are kind of gathering more attention uh, at this point, and that is, of course, the coaching changes that are going to now happen in the SEC. One is officially official at this point, as uh, Vanderbilt has fired Bryce Drew, and then uh, you're going to have Avery Johnson and Alabama are going to mutually uh, agree to part ways. The buyout's being worked on. The announcement on that one will come uh, my expectation would be uh, within the next 24 hours or so. Uh, but speaking of that, uh, really, you had both of these two things happen in around a nine-hour span. Uh, we entered the SEC basketball season. I told you guys on a podcast in the preseason, the expectation was that maybe one coach, or maybe two at most, could be what you would consider on the hot, hot seat in terms of uh, if they had a bad year, they could put themselves in a position uh, to possibly be fired, but the expectation sort of felt like maybe there wouldn't be, but one or so, uh, just depending, because you always kind of consider uh, that maybe there's going to be a year where something just goes way off and someone gets fired, and that's kind of what happened this year, but I don't think it was the one that many of us expected when you think about the Bryce Drew situation, and we'll get to that here in a second. Let's go ahead and start with Alabama, though. Uh, since that was the one that, that broke around midnight. Alabama fans were, were upset, and anyone that, that was has watched them play all year long, anyone that's that's followed uh, the reaction, it was sort of one of those situations where they were very upset, and it only got magnified after the Norfolk State game and the NIT. I, I've said before that these NIT games are really hard uh, sometimes to get up for. They're, the motivation's not always there with some of these uh, teams, and we know that, especially teams who are close to making the NCAA tournament. However, in the overall bigger picture of things, it just wasn't the way that Norfolk State game played out. It just was not something that you could afford, probably, if you're Avery Johnson trying to sell people on the the program turning around or being in a spot where you feel like you're going to get to the NCAA tournament every year. Uh, and talent-wise, I think that the, the thing is, the talent to me was there. Now, I've been someone that, that said that I don't necessarily know that the, the, the pieces necessarily fit together perfectly in terms of the guys uh, on the roster. Maybe just that the playing styles didn't mesh for some of those guys. Uh, but overall, I think that the talent has been there, and that's something that, that fans are going to get upset about, and they are going to voice their displeasure. Uh, When you're in a similar spot seemingly year after year and you don't feel like you've put yourself in a position where you are a surefire NCAA tournament team every single season. And like it or not, that's what we base things on in this era and, you know, probably for a while now. Making the NCAA tournament, having a chance to be there, uh, not every single, you know, you may not get there every single season, but you certainly have a, a chance to put yourself in a position to be there every season. 
Alabama's done that, you know, at times, but it, it just hasn't gotten to that point. I think the expectations were that once you saw Avery Johnson getting uh, this type of, you know, recruiting class nationally, bringing in these these guys, that you felt like, you know, four-star guys, five-star guys, you felt like they were should be in a position to, you know, make the NCAA tournament and, and be there comfortably maybe. Um, yes, this did happen a year after losing Colin Sexton. And look, I mean, a lot of people ask going into the season, are they really going to be better without Colin Sexton? And are, should the expectation be the NCAA tournament? I thought going into the season, Alabama was a bubble team. Um, but I think because of how everything played out, that's sort of the bigger thing uh, where it, it's just after a while, sometimes you have to make a change. Sometimes it's better for both parties uh, to go their separate ways if you just start to realize that maybe the displeasure is growing, the expectations are not being met, uh, and if you feel like there's not significant improvement uh, being made. And, and I said on Twitter, I, there were improvements, I think, that Avery Johnson made uh, from a standpoint of, look, the, I think Alabama is an appealing job. It, it seems to be a more appealing job now than it was before You know, he took the job. Uh, and maybe part of that is because of just the recruiting aspect, and I think also part of it is from the SEC standpoint. The SEC is a way more desirable conference to join now than it was five years ago, and I tried to make that point uh, on Twitter as well to some people in that Alabama may not be the best basketball job in the SEC, and it's not. However, this is an SEC job where you have the resources, Alabama certainly has the money, to go out and go after a top-tier candidate. Yes, there are going to be sticking points for some candidates, and there always are when you have these types of negotiations at power conference jobs of this level. Uh, it may be facilities. It may be the football thing. Yeah, that will turn some people away. But to say that there aren't going to be um, any you know quality list of candidates that would be interested in the Alabama job, I think just simply isn't true. Uh, you're a school that has a lot of money that can, like I said, pay uh, top dollar to go after coaches. And I hate to tell people, but we like money. We are human. We, we like money. And money does talk sometimes. And sure, maybe that's not the biggest uh, deciding factor for some people, but if you can pay uh, you know, a very, very high amount of money, there are going to be people that will listen. Uh, and I think Alabama will have no problem sort of going out if that's the approach they take. And that's where I understand the concerns for some Alabama fans is you want to make sure that, you know, it seems like you're moving in that direction where there is a commitment to going forward with the program in hopes of saying, okay, we, we didn't want this to where we are a borderline NCAA tournament team that just simply isn't getting there year in and year out. We are making that commitment to where we feel like the program should be at that level where we are in the NCAA tournament every single season and having that opportunity to compete for championships. That seems to be what Alabama is making this move in hopes of getting to. So if that is what you're going for, then I think at this point you have to go all out. You can't afford uh, to go, you know, take a risk on someone. I think you have to make it with the thought in mind that, okay, we are committing to going out and getting the best possible candidate, and we will do whatever we have to do uh, to get that. We are making that full commitment. If Alabama does that, I don't think Alabama's going to have a problem uh, getting a list of candidates that have 
proven success uh, lined up to want to take this job. I just don't. And you can point out the history of Alabama basketball and say, well, you know, this is a program that simply hasn't succeeded uh, consistently in a long time. Maybe that's true, but you know what? There are a lot of other jobs that, that were at one point like that. If you're willing to make the commitment, you're an SEC job that has a lot of money uh, that can offer a lot of really positive things for coaches that want to succeed at the higher, highest level. And believe it or not, coaches are very competitive, and they want to be at the highest level um, and, and have an opportunity to make a lot of money and win a lot of games. And I, I do think Alabama gives you that opportunity and certainly people are already asking, you know, who who is taking the job? Who are the guys that are already interested? Look, it's it's been less than 12 hours at this point. Steve Prohm's name's been thrown around at Iowa State, and there will be others that, that you'll see on that list. But you have to keep in mind with the nature of these coaching searches how quickly things can change. And, you know, all it takes is one guy saying no, and then you're you're at this next point, or maybe there's a target that wasn't initially on your board that all of a sudden has a lot of interest in. It's just that's the way the coaching carousel works. I think most people understand that at this point. Yes, the, the initial list that comes out uh, in most cases, especially with, with these types of jobs, uh, is not always the list that, that maybe you wind up with if you're an AD and, and you go down to it and let's say you know, you've got three candidates, your top three candidates in mind. Things can change so quickly with that type of stuff based on one guy all of a sudden uh, getting a better offer elsewhere or one guy that wasn't even on your radar coming in and really wanting to be, you know, have that opportunity to to interview for the job or even take the job. So things change so quickly with these coaching searches. Yes, there are a lot of obvious names. There will be more that will come out over the next couple of days. NCAA tournament time, and we know uh, once you get to like the Final Four, that's where you have uh, all everyone's there and you get these meetings and, and people are talking. So it, the whole thing's going to be fascinating to watch, but I'll just reiterate my point in that Alabama is a very good basketball job, and it's one that will appeal to a lot of different candidates. If you are Alabama and you decided that this was the move that needed to be made in terms of you know agreeing to part ways with Avery Johnson – then I think the whole reasoning has to be that you feel like you have someone out there that you can go get that is going to put you in that position. Um, I don't think Alabama fans are ready to go into a rebuilding stage. So if you're making this move now, you have to go out and get the guy, like it or not, that's going to help you win uh, very, very soon. And I think their returning roster gives them an opportunity. They've got a lot of young talent on there. Depending on how the recruiting class goes, we know how that that changes when coaching changes happen. Uh, They already had a good recruiting class coming in. Who can be kept? Who will go elsewhere? That's what we don't know. Uh, But this is a job that's going to attract a lot of people, and um, I I really do. I think it's going to be an opportunity for Alabama. If they want to, to take that approach, they want to put the money into it, uh, they'll they'll have no shortage of good candidates, in my opinion. All right, to the Vanderbilt job. Uh, Bryce Drew is out after three seasons. And then there's the key thing. Bryce Drew is out after three seasons. And, you know, it's something where it's kind of a situation. He came into the year, this was that year, that I think Vanderbilt fans expected to be one of the best years in program history in a while. The complete opposite happened where arguably the worst season in the, in the program's history in terms of just looking 
at how they played uh, in SEC play, not winning a game, uh, being the first team to do that since the 50s. That is not something that puts you in a good spot from a fan perspective, from an attendance perspective. And the Darius Garland thing, as soon as it happened, we talked a lot about that. Yes, it changed a lot for Vanderbilt's team because they went into the season thinking that they had an opportunity uh, to do some things that were going to be a special season because you had the recruiting class, the best that, that has ever come into Vanderbilt, um, and then everything changed with the Garland injury, but but that just got to a point to where that could not be the excuse for not winning a game in SEC play. And like it or not, we talked about the Avery Johnson thing in Alabama where NCAA tournaments are the expectation. Um, at Vanderbilt, you were so far away from an NCAA tournament this year. You became a team that simply was not just losing games down the stretch. They were getting blown out. Um, and and that's that's a concerning thing uh, for a fan base, for an administration. Uh, when you lose that many games and when things go in the complete opposite direction of what you expected, um, that can be an immediate cause for concern. Now, you add in the extra layer where you have a new AD that comes in and Malcolm Turner who immediately walks into a situation where he says, we have a very unhappy fan base. We have a team that just went winless in SEC play in what is now the most competitive SEC basketball landscape that possibly there's ever been. How can we justify keeping on this path, honestly knowing that going into next year, Vanderbilt had some, some good, solid players coming in in this class for 2019. But remember, Darius Garland's not coming back next year. Um, you're pretty much bringing back the same nucleus as this season. Sure, players are going to get better, but you've essentially got the same team, minus you know if you bring in transfers and all that, which has not always been the easiest thing to do at a school like Vanderbilt. So if that's the expectation is where you're going into next season knowing that, yes, you're probably going to win a game at some point, you would hope, but is the improvement going to be significant enough that you feel like it's worth waiting around to where you could very well be sitting, not in the exact same spot next season, but in a very similar situation. And I think it's, that's what, to me, probably swung you know Malcolm Turner to say, okay, if, we're go- if we know we're going to be possibly facing this situation next year where another losing season potentially, um, and you feel like the program is not going to make significant enough strides next year to put Bryce Drew in a position where he can retain his job, then why don't you go ahead and make the move now? And you have to feel like that was sort of the mindset for Vanderbilt in this whole scenario. Um, And and it's one that makes sense, Uh, like it or not. I mean, three years, we can argue about that. And yes, for most people, giving someone three years is probably not enough time. But when you don't win a game in conference play, I just think that's something that that speeds up that whole process. And you throw the three-year thing out the window, and you have to sit down and make a serious decision and take a hard look at the trajectory of your program. And after a really bad year last year and after looking at the way things unfolded this year, yeah, there are people out there who are saying, you know, how terrible and shocking of a move this is. But when you don't win a game in SEC play, when you don't win a game in your conference, all bets are off because that's just something at a power conference level that is hard to justify to a fan base. And look, 
it is what it is. Vanderbilt, traditionally, Memorial Gym has been one of the toughest places to play for teams all around the country. We There are jokes made on Twitter constantly about teams having to play at Memorial Gym and not wanting to do that because over the years, the fan base, the atmosphere has been off the charts. But when you looked at that atmosphere this season and knowing that that's, you have to sell that to a fan base going into next year, saying, okay, well, we lost our best NBA draft prospect. We didn't win a game last year, but we want you to come back and pay this money for tickets, and we want you all to be back and to pack the house and support this team. Realistically, that's a hard thing to do. And, you know, maybe we're not in a, an environment where everybody wants to sometimes admit that kind of truth, but that's a really hard sell for a program and for a school. And, and so I think for Vanderbilt, that was the justification. And if you look at it from that standpoint, you know, you have to agree with certain, you know, decisions made from that perspective. If that's someone's job is to determine how your program um, is going to move forward and if you don't feel strong enough that it's going to get to that level that you expected it to, then you have to make a move. And that's what Vanderbilt did um, in this scenario. Bryce Drew, look, he came in, one of the better mid-major coaches in the country when he came in, the success that he had at Valpo, um, came in right away, got them to the NCAA tournament, uh, and and look, it was something where you felt like they were in a good position, and certainly you look at the recruiting. Like we said earlier, Vanderbilt gets its best recruiting class ever this year, and it's the same year he gets fired. That is you know, quite the swing when you think about it, but there are other guys that, that can recruit um, you know, on a national level that, that Vanderbilt will probably have an opportunity to at least pursue, and that's something where if you feel like from a development standpoint you're not getting to that level knowing that you pretty much have the same nucleus back coming, coming back next year, get that people are saying, well, you can't fire a guy after three years. And, and, and you know, the narrative, too, this is one that's getting really old, and you see this used – so many times now. Well, it's Vanderbilt. And, you know, what's Vanderbilt really going to get? And Vanderbilt this and Vanderbilt that. We've got to stop going to that. And I know it's fun for some fan bases to do it. And I get that a lot of it is in good fun when you have other fan bases poking fun at Vanderbilt. But when you have people on a national level that are looking at it and saying, hey, well, you know, what what's Vanderbilt? Come on, what are you doing? Like, are you really going to get, you know, a better situation than this? I think you have to give Malcolm Turner uh, props for saying, we do feel like we can get a better situation than this. You know, we're not happy with just saying, okay, well, it's Vanderbilt. You know, there are these restrictions and those restrictions, and we don't feel like we can be at an elite level. It is absolutely, we talked about the Alabama being a very good job. Vanderbilt is a very, very good job in terms of basketball. It's always been a very, very good job uh, with basketball, and that is not something to take lightly. In this SEC landscape, like we mentioned earlier with the Avery Johnson thing, the SEC is as competitive as it's ever been. The recruiting is as tough as it's ever been in terms of going. you got all these great coaches in here that are recruiting so well on a national level. You cannot afford to be that far behind. Uh, Now, certainly Vanderbilt wasn't far behind from a recruiting standpoint, but you can't afford to be that far behind in terms of your on-court product because – how quickly everything can kind of go from, okay, you're kind of in the middle of the pack to being at the very bottom, and that's what happened for Vanderbilt. And if you feel like you're not going to make a big enough jump to where you can put yourself back in that middle of the pack or at least be competitive for the most part, 
then you've got to make a move. And like it or not, that's what Vanderbilt did. Um, and like we said, I think Vanderbilt is also a job that can offer some things uh, to people. Now the biggest question is going to be, what path does Malcolm Turner go? Someone who comes from the G League, um, you know, kind of coming full circle here, is he going to be someone that, that thinks maybe there there's an NBA type of coach, maybe whether it's an assistant, someone at the professional level who's going to come in and be the right fit for this job? We, we talked about the Avery Johnson thing in Alabama. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the route Vanderbilt goes here, but uh, you certainly wonder if that's going to be, and I don't know if that's necessarily something that would please a lot of Vanderbilt fans. I think you in both situations here, if you're making this decision to, you know, four years Avery Johnson, three years Bryce True, if you're making these decisions, to me, that means that you are committed to going out and going after a top-tier candidate that you feel like is an instant upgrade over the guy you had. And that, to me, is going to determine uh, where both of these programs go. Because if you're Vanderbilt and you've given Bryce Drew three years, yes, you have the winless thing in SEC play, that's a big black mark on your resume. But if you've decided that this is now the time to make a change, I don't know that you can go that same route in terms of saying, okay, well, we're going to go out and get – what we feel like is maybe, you know, a, a mid-major rising type of coach. And that's not to knock any of these coaches, but that's something, too, where you, it's, you're, you're kind of selling the same thing to fans who just felt like they got burned in the same type of situation. So, now, can Vanderbilt go out and, and get someone from a power conference? Can they, they put in the resources? Um, they've got the money. We talk about that. I mean, I think Vanderbilt's got the funds to go out and pay a coach. And that's where we're going to see, you know, how much are they going to put into it uh, and all that. Again, the SEC, the resources, all that types of stuff. Can you go that same route and and convince your fans that it's going to be the right one this time around? Or do you go after the guy that's that's proven that he can win um, at the power conference type of level that is something that, that's going to be very appealing in terms of, you know, looking at this job. It's going to be fascinating to see how this whole thing's played out. Um, all right, we could talk about this on and on and on, but just some initial thoughts there. Certainly we'll have a lot more thoughts coming um, as we go through over the next several weeks here as this coaching thing gets crazy. Um, quickly to run through some questions. Uh, let's see, one uh, asked from, from Shelby, Waddell asks, uh, does Vandy give Rick Bird or Casey Alexander a look? I don't think so, but that's just, uh, that's again, it's it's very early. I, I don't think they will be in the mix. Uh, like I said, you know, Rick Bird is someone I could spend an entire hour talking about the greatness of Rick Bird, um, but I just, I really, you know, I don't, I don't see it happening. Uh, crazier things have happened probably, but I just don't think he's leaving Belmont at this stage of his career. Casey Alexander, really good coach at Lipscomb. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that that's the route they will go uh, either. Uh, Memorial Magic asks, who are some candidates Vandy should go after? Like I said, if it's me, if I'm in that spot, uh, the first thing I'm doing is is identifying some power conference uh, type of guys that that would listen for the right money um, and maybe facilities and all that type of stuff. If there are guys that you feel like you're connected to, I think that's your first route to go. Guys that have proven 
that they can win consistently at that type of level. Now, certainly there's going to be you know very few guys in that pool when, when you're thinking of guys that, that have just consistently won and won and won at an SEC level or, or these other power conferences. But if you can identify coaches that you feel like um, at least have some success over you know several years' time at that type of level – then I think um, that's the route I go. And then after that, you certainly start looking at some of these uh, mid-major guys if you don't get, um, you know, your guy for, in terms of, of going after that level. And, you know, there are a lot of names out there. And I'll say this, um, and please, I am not telling you that this guy's a candidate, but there are, are other people um, that you, you look at and say, well, there are names out there like a Thad Mata. And I'm not saying Thad Mata is going to be the next coach at Vanderbilt, but – it's one that you'll probably hear with, with a lot of power conference jobs this offseason just because he is out there. Um, now, you know, that's sort of a, a different situation and whether he wants to coach and all that. I think that's something uh, that you sort of look at and wonder. But I don't know. I, I think if you're Vanderbilt, you've made this move for a reason and you felt like now was the time to do it. I think you have to go big at this point uh, and at least take a shot at some of these guys that are out there. Uh, because knowing what the SEC coaching landscape is now, look across the board. Look at all the success that is there for these guys that are at all these stops. Look at the Final Four appearances. Look at all the NCAA tournament appearances for these coaches around the SEC. That's what you have to compete with, and to me, you can't go out and say, okay, well, we're just going to take kind of a, a rebuilding approach for three or four years. I'm sorry, you just can't do that anymore in this league. You have to go out and try to get someone you feel like can turn things around very quickly. Uh, maybe it's not next year, but the year after, and like it or not, that's what we've gotten to. I know, and, and coaches will tell you, and realistically, yes, it takes several years to completely change the foundation of a program, and that will probably you know, maybe be the case with Vanderbilt, considering where it's at now, You know, coming off of a, a winless season in conference play. But I think you have to go out and go go shoot for the stars here. Um I just think it's something where you've got to because you can't afford to swing and miss uh, here in this situation or you're set back, you know, another three or four years. And you just – you can't afford that in this uh, this era of SEC basketball. So, um, Connie asks, how many more coaching changes are possible once the dust settles? Well, look, we've got three for sure now. I think the possibility is that it could get to four or five. Um, and, you know, I'll let you guys figure out which ones those are. I think there, there's another, you know, obvious one in terms of how one situation plays out. Um, you know, will it happen? Will it not happen? I think it's too early to tell. But uh, And then, you know, there, there could be another one that kind of comes out as well. So there, there are other possibilities, but it, it is pretty wild that we came to the season not thinking that maybe uh, there would be – maybe one or two at most and the second one probably would have been surprising and now we're looking at maybe you know possibly four or so so it is pretty uh pretty crazy uh davidson asked do you see avery sticking around the college game or going back to the pros he'll have opportunities at the pro level uh certainly you know like we talked about linking and how easy it is to link people at this stage of coaching searches and all that um there are already people that, that are ready to link him to the Cavs with colin sexton and that won't stop um I think he'll have opportunities at both. Uh, if it's if it's him, you know, there, there will be colleges that are willing to pay him a lot of money um, knowing the recruiting aspect. And, you know, like we said, it's, it's not that Avery Johnson did a terrible job. I would like to reiterate that. He, he didn't do a terrible job. But Alabama's expectations were higher, and they decided that they were not going to – 
you know, th- this was not the road they wanted to go on. They want to compete just like all these other teams are competing now, um, you know, to going to the NCAA tournament every single season and having a chance to compete for championships. And that's the dedication. That's the desire that the Alabama has, and that's the route they've gone. But Avery will have no shortage of opportunities, uh, probably at both levels, to, to be honest with you. So, diehard VU fan asks, uh, do you think Vanderbilt was justified in firing, or should Bryce True have gotten more time? Yeah, you know, I just I probably should have thrown this one in earlier, but like I said, it's it's I think there's always justification when you don't win a game in, in conference play, um, and I don't care what year it is. I just I think there's there's always probably going to be a just, justification for that, and right or wrong, that that's just the nature of the business and how it works. Uh, because like I said, you you have to. You have to sell a fan base on coming back into the building next year and supporting the team and trying to to pay money. And if you don't feel like that your your product is going to be improved enough to to do that, then you have to make a change. And that's what Vanderbilt did. Like everybody said, just to echo, and this is something. Yes, Bryce True is an absolutely outstanding guy. Just someone that you root for and you want to see have success. And, you know, I don't think you're going to have anybody that's going to really say a bad word about Bryce Drew uh, when it comes to to the -the off-the-court stuff. So um, I will say that, and it's just one of those guys that, hey, you're just in a – it's a bad situation, you know, in terms of you just – you can't put yourself in that spot. Uh, Yeah, three years is three years, but I think that the winless season – just completely changed the entire landscape. It completely changed the decision-making process and sped everything up. Um, and, you know, kind of it kind of is what it is. So, all right, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the podcast. Uh, I appreciate you guys, as always. I know things may be just kind of all over the place here, but this is just me. I don't have an agenda in front of me. This is just reeling off thoughts because uh, I had a completely different plan for this podcast <laughs> Like I mentioned, talking about all the NCAA tournament action with the SEC winning all four games on Thursday, three big games coming up on Friday. So um, we'll continue to do more of these podcasts as we go throughout and more coaching carousel podcasts. And I was laughing because John Rothstein put out uh, his tweet, and we always have fun with him. Um, He put out his, you know, we sleep in May, talking about just the craziness uh, of the, uh, the, the NCAA tournament and March Madness and all that. And I had to laugh and put out my response that, well, you know, we, we may sleep in August if the SEC coaching stuff continues at this rate. Um, so that will be uh, – it's going to be very interesting, fascinating at all these different schools to see who goes where. Uh, you know, we've got the stuff at Texas A&M and, and not knowing who's going to replace Billy Kennedy. But it's going to be very fascinating to, to see how things unfold here um, with with all this. So – uh be sure you subscribe to the podcast uh go over your podcast app search for southeast hoops that way you don't miss any of these episodes at southeasthoops.com all the written stuff uh more coverage of the ncaa tournament and all that fun stuff and the coaching stuff as well i will probably at some point uh put up uh several different posts on the top candidates for each job and guys who in, in my opinion uh would be good fits uh, for some of these jobs as well so uh thanks as always for listening and i will talk to you guys next time